Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Bob? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 215, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, people. And my God, are you going to be dazzled and entertained because Jerry Jones has a secret daughter. <laughs> I mean, what? Oh, you we got a little giddy, bro. I just, we, we'll get into that. We, we'll get into, I mean, this is... One of the more bonkers and yet totally believable stories of all time. Then the reports that the Cowboys are trying to trade one of their offensive linemen. It's St. Patrick's Day weekend in the Dallas area. Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And perhaps the man who is more tied in to Deion Sanders than anybody else that's out there happens to do this podcast. It's Jacques. And he's got some crazy story about Deion Sanders and the, the, the blood clots. And I mean, we got so much to get into on this. None of it happens, though, without our sponsors, especially Greening Law. And they've been telling you this for, man, almost over a year now, because it's been a while since I got hurt in my car accident. Maybe it happened to you. Maybe you have experienced malpractice. You were injured on the premises of a business. The thing you need to do the first thing you need to do, remember the number, 972-934-8900. Give them a call and let them be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies who are going to mess with you. That's right, man, because the insurance company ain't looking out for you. Grinning Law, if they're your client, they, if you're their client, they look out for you. To me, that's the most important thing, man. They handle all the details, big and small. Matt can tell you all about it. But all it takes to get them on your team, to get that heavy hitters on your team, is you pick up the phone, you make a call to 972-934-8900. You say, yo, fellas, ladies, here's the details of my situation. What do you think? If they take you on as a, as a client, then ho, 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 it is a glorious day for you. It is. They are going to take care of you. They will be working for you. And again, keep in mind, the consultation is free. Find out if something has happened to you. I'm serious because this is what I did. You call them. They'll run you through some questions and see what they think. You may have a case. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. I got to tell you, man, this Jerry Jones story I have no idea what to think about it. It is, it is a fascinating story. 
The headline in the Dallas Morning News, this was from some reporter. I, I'm not even going to attempt to say her last name. It's a city reporter. Natalie I mean, Kyo, Kyo Mungkun, I believe. I'm doing my best there. I apologize. But she writes for the Dallas Morning News. The headline on her story, woman sues Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, says he is her father. Court documents are saying this. The lawsuit says Jones and the woman's mother had reached a settlement that barred the child from publicly identifying that Jones is her father. Now, it sounds to me, and according to this story, kind of what I'm getting for this, this woman's name is Alexandra Davis. She's a 25-year-old congressional aide who grew up in the North Texas area. And she is alleging that Jerry Jones is her biological father. Now, it sounds to me like she is suing him because she kind of wants a piece of the pie and that somehow this reporter came across this information before they could seal the file in the court system so she was able to pull all this information out of it. And the thing about it is, man, is that um, it, it's wild because that's this. And I, I talked to my class at SMU about this yesterday. This is what it's required to do your job on a daily basis. It's every day you look at the court document. First thing when you get when you show up at work, you look at the court document and you see what's going on. This is the day that you did exactly what you were supposed to do. And because you did that, you this woman picked up a story that that otherwise none of us would ever know because she was doing her rather mundane part of her job, which is let me go check the docket today. See, oh, what is this involving Jerry, Jerry, Jerry right. Wayne Jones? And voila, the next day you couldn't find it because it was gone. And so kudos to her for being a uh, for doing the mundane part of her job, man, because now she's got a story that America's talking about. Yeah, and this is insane because, again, so it's alleged, if all this is true, then this Alexandra Davis woman cannot publicly identify Jones as her father, and she didn't do that. She's suing to so that she wants to know if she can what would happen if she were to attempt to legally establish that he is her father. And she says that she's asking the court to find that she's not legally bound by this agreement. Because she doesn't, but she doesn't want to be sued or lose her financial trust, as you might imagine. And so, what it sounds like is like you're pointing out that this, like, she didn't publicly go out there or try to make anything publicly about this. That somebody happened to find it and and read the details before they could seal it and find out all this information. Now the file is sealed, but this is fascinating. So apparently, what this is is that this woman, Alexandra Davis, is alleging, and this is according to court documents that Jones and her mother, Cynthia Davis, reached a settlement to financially support them as long as they never identified Jones publicly as her father. And so she is seeking a declaration from the court that such a settlement agreement should be unenforceable in Texas. And I think it's weird because why now? And, and man, you go through all this. And this, I mean, this is wild, dude. So apparently this, this woman's mom, was married but estranged for her husband when she met Jerry Jones working as a ticket counter agent for American Airlines at the airport in Little Rock. Jones pursues this woman, Cynthia Davis, and the pair began a relationship. Alexandra was born December 16th, 1996. Shortly afterward, her mom and her dad, or her mom and her, her mom's husband, whatever, filed for divorce. It was determined at that time through genetic testing that Alexandra Davis was not the child 
of Cynthia Davis's husband. He was not ordered to pay child support when the divorce was finalized, and Alexander Davis was not listed as having a legal father. Cynthia Davis told Jerry Jones that he was the biological father, even though Jones says that he was not able to have children. And I mean, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you through all of this, I, I 100% believe this is true. I'm just flat out telling you, I believe this chick is Jerry Jones' daughter and that he fathered this lady. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's really much of a dispute, man. To me, on the outside looking in, uh, Jerry Jones is a rich and powerful man. How many rich and powerful men, CEO types in America, the world, have love childs? I mean, mm-hmm. a thousand? Yeah. Five thousand? Ten thousand? This to me is really, it's a salacious story, but it's not an unusual story. Can I say this, bro? I have this in my own family. Ain't none of us rich. Where somebody was broken up with their husband, got pregnant, and their situation, the husband kept a child. And they they tried their best to live happily ever, happily ever after, uh, and added that child to their other uh, children and, and kept it moving. Uh, so this happens. It's just salacious because it's Jerry. It's coming on the heels of yeah. this cheerleader scandal. Yeah. And it's just one more thing to talk about when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and it's wild because, again, so Jerry Jones' friend and lawyer, Donald Jack, acted on his behalf here. And uh, apparently it's one of these things where a putative father is a man whose relationship to the child has not been established and that Jack is listed as the authorized agent for this father, which apparently is Jerry Jones. And so she's been getting a ton of money, gave her a lump sum. She went to SMU. As a matter of fact, uh, apparently she's so rich her and her mom were featured and this is another thing that's so wild about this these two women this this alexandra davis girl and her mom starred in the third and final season of big rich texas which was a reality show based in dfw that followed five wealthy women and their daughters dude (laughs) i mean it just doesn't stop like i read this and i'm like oh my god i i this is just You know, sometimes you feel like it's no wonder this franchise can't find its footing because all this weird shit that happens off the field (laughs) that just never goes away with the Dallas Cowboys where it's so it's such a soap opera in any given offseason. It's no wonder they can't figure out how to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, but I see I I disagree only in the sense that. And I'm just going to say this, uh, there's 32 NFL owners. How many of them do you figure have children not by, you know, have children out of a circumstance like this? 31. Well, I don't know if it's 31, but I'd say I would not be shocked if it was 20. And that's because rich, powerful men do this and they do what Jerry did. He took it. He took he did. What did he say? He did what he did. I mean, he took it. He he took care of his responsibility. He set up a trust fund. He paid for the girl's family with a house. Yeah. He bought him a house. Uh, he bought her a Range Rover for her 16th birthday. Uh, he set it up so that she gets lump sum payments at 24, 26, 28. And some people, because we were talking about this in my journalism class at SMU yesterday. Why did they do that? Another friend of mine um, was injured in an accident and got a big lump sum of money. And they set it up so that she got payments at like 25, 30. 35 and 40 
And they do that in part because if we gave it all to you at 18, you'd be a dumbass and blow it. So we give you some at 21. Yeah. We give you some more at 24 when you're a little more mature, some more at 28 when you're more mature, and, you know, whatever the other dates are, hoping that, you know, this money will last you or you'll do good with it as opposed to drinks on me. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, you talk about just an explosion of news around the Dallas Cowboys. And this is one of those things where this lawsuit says that she has lived in fear of losing financial support from Jones if she ever told anybody who her father was. The only time she has disclosed that Jerry Jones was her father, she had to obtain security clearance from the FBI to work in the White House when Donald Trump was president. She now works for a U.S. representative who's an Amarillo Republican. So that's what she's doing. And I mean, this whole, see, I agree with you about all this because to me, and I'm just going to tell everybody what I honestly think, and, and you guys can laugh or think this is dumb. I don't think that anybody can become a billionaire or that anybody can have this much power and money without dead bodies somewhere and without secrets that are even greater than this. Like, I'm, I actually think that probably most people that have been president of the United States in the last hundred years have probably had people killed. Like, I, I'm serious because it, it, you cannot have this much power with this much money, with all that tangled up into it without having thrown people out of the way at some point along. It's, just, it's impossible. Well, let's, let's take it. Let's do our wild speculation on a recent story. Who believes, what's that guy named? The uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Who believes Jeffrey Epstein hung himself? Not me. Nobody does. Right. They're all like, dude, you know too many secrets about too many powerful people, like real powerful people, like people who run the government, people who run a country. They're like, they all got together on a Zoom call. Not really, but you know what I mean. They're like, bruh, he got to go. Mm -hmm. He he just got to go. Uh, Whose turn is it? X, it's your turn. Because W took care of the last one. Damn, is it my turn? Okay, fine. Give me a couple weeks, fellas. And boom, it happens. And if you look at that case, man, people around him are in the same situation. You know, people around him have died, you know, who knew something about the case. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, um, you know, bro, (laughs) I'm not doubting anything you're saying. No, it's just, and I know that House of Cards was a Netflix show and and silly ha-ha fun, but I'm telling you, man, like, you go back and you start digging in like the Clinton list or any of that type of stuff. And maybe it's conspiracy, but I'm telling you, there's so much to some of these things. I I just have, when you have that much money and power and like you were talking about, I mean, this, this love child thing, I I have a hard time believing most billionaires haven't done something like this. Right. I mean, cause you've got so much money and power and you travel so much and you're living a life of luxury and these, you know, whoever knows, like these fantasy level women are just throwing themselves at you. And one night you have a slip up. Next thing you know, she's pregnant. You're like, oh, shit. You know, here's a million dollars. Just leave me alone. And Dude. that means nothing to you. But to the person like, oh, my God, I have a million dollars. And you're like, oh, thank God. I just spent a buck to get this person away from me. <laughs> You know, and, and again, to be fair, this girl was not coming out trying to accuse him of anything. She is trying to see, like, what the deal is with this legally. And then this just randomly came out because this reporter happened to come across it. I mean, this whole thing is just so insane how this became a thing. You know, bro, these are the times we live in. And this is why it's hard to commit a perfect crime. Because there's always some little, 
what do you call it, happenstance that you can't prepare for right. that leads you to getting convicted. Yeah, and I, I've seen some people who have said, I'm done with the Cowboys and this and that. And look, that's your thing. You know, I... I, Man, I get I, off your hypocritical high horse. You know, it's, it's one thing, the Rich Dalrymple thing is one thing, but this... Like, like to me, I just assumed that Jerry and Steven are having sex with multiple other women and having all kinds of affairs because to me, I just picture billionaire people. That's what they do. Yeah, man. I think, uh, you know, as I like to say, nobody condones cheating on your wife or anything like that, but it's, it happens with all sorts of people all throughout life, regular everyday people, powerful people, oh, yeah, athlete, sure. you know, whomever, you know, because as one person told me, Everybody in jail is in jail over money, sex, or pussy, uh, or True. drugs. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, if you if you go back to it, you're in jail for one of those three reasons: money, sex, or drugs. And if you look at that, that's what our society is, man. And so, when somebody's having sex with somebody other than their spouse, it shouldn't. You again, you ain't got to condone it, but you shouldn't be shocked nor surprised by it. And as I like to say, be careful about throwing your stones because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it happens. Yeah, and I, I hate to tell you, and you've been around it even more than I have, but I think both of us have been enough professional locker rooms to understand if, if you think that this is just the owner, <laughs> you are sadly Bro, mistaken. I mean, let me, let me just put it like this, man. And I, I'm not talking out of turn, and I'm not naming names. But I covered the Cowboys on a day-to-day, up-close-and-personal basis for about 18 to 20 years, probably 20 years if I go back and do the math, maybe, maybe 22, 23. We'd be on road trips, man, and you'd see all sort of players, support staff, mm-hmm. coaching staff, ownership, uh, people, people in the front office is what I mean, hanging out, dating, with booed up with people, not their wives. And you don't say anything because that doesn't have any effect on their performance on the football field, or you can't, there's no link between it that you can come up with. This has nothing to do with the Dallas Cowboys performance on the football field. We are only hearing about it because a lawsuit has been filed. And once a lawsuit is filed, it's public record and boom, it, it popped up. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, it's not just the Cowboys. So, so, you know, if this is something where you're like, oh, I'm done with the Cowboys, never going to watch the Cowboys again, then I don't know what team it is that you think that you can root for that doesn't have players, management, whatever, where a portion of – it's not everybody by, by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm telling you right now, it, I would guess, honestly, that in whatever sport and whatever team, a third of them are doing things of this nature. Hey, look what happened with the uh, Falwells kid up there at Liberty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, look at the former president, Bill Clinton. I mean, come on, man. It happens. I mean, when you have money and power and stuff like this, especially in athletics, when chances are you're an attractive dude and you're ripped because you're playing professional sports, you're in your your mid-20s and you're making millions of dollars and you are away at times for a week, two weeks at a time from your normal life, please do not be that naive. Because no, and again, you ain't got a cosign on it. No, I'm just saying. Uh, you just you have know. to know that it happens. And then, I mean, I have had conversations with professional athletes, and I won't say the team or whatever, and it doesn't matter who or what it was. But I'll never forget because I, I mean, I got to you know how it is because you've you've done it hell way more than I have. But you get to know some of these guys where you'll just hang out and kind of have shoot the shit a little bit, 
you know, and I got to know a couple of dudes where I would just talk to him and I asked him flat out once. I was like, man, like when you're on, cause he was a single guy, this guy I was talking to, I was like, when you're on the road, I mean, are you just like, is it like, you know, basically I asked him like threesomes every night. Like, I mean, how is it? And he's like, it doesn't suck. He goes, you know, he goes, that's the thing is like, yeah, you get recognized and sometimes, you know, you may end up, he's like, but I'm a single guy. He goes, he goes, basically it's, it's guys like me. We'll go out together. There's a married dudes who do what they do on the side. And then there's a married dudes who he goes, there are guys on this team that as soon as we get onto a road trip, they go to the hotel and they only come out of the room for practice or the game. And that's it. Yeah. And he goes, there are th- those guys exist. And then there's guys that are single like me and we enjoy our life, you know? And then there's guys that just don't care and they enjoy their life. I was like, well, whatever works. <laughs> and this was not, I mean, I'm telling you, man, it, it's, that was, an, and he was cool. And I, you know, you get that insight, but again, just think about that. And not everybody is that way. That's the whole point. There are people who are in their mid twenties that if you think back to when you were 23, 24, 25, that if you had a serious relationship or a marriage and somebody gave you millions of dollars and said, go do whatever you want, you'd be like, well, I'm not doing any of that. But a lot of people be like, oh my God, really? Oh, hell yeah. This is amazing. It's not just that, man. And I used to have this conversation all the time. It's every day, a dozen of the most beautiful women you've ever come in contact with say, take me, I'm yours. Yeah. Every day, every day. And so fine, you're fine. You're fine for five years. And then one day something happens at home, blah, blah, blah. You have an argument. Uh, it's gone on for a while. And that's the day you get weak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but it, it happens, happens yeah. and, all and, the time. And you can tell me what you would do. Uh, but I used to have this conversation with my boy all the time. Because he would be like, yo, dog, you tell me what you would do. You wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do that. At that critical moment, what you going to do? And you don't know until you're in it. Nobody does. Nobody knows. Like, if we, don't, if we even take this off the table and go, if there's a fire burning and somebody says there's, there's somebody in there, can you go help them? 100% of us would all like to say, oh, hell yeah, we'd run into a burning house and risk our life to go bring somebody out. But at the critical moment, you really don't know if you would or you wouldn't. You hope that you would, but you don't know if you're willing to really put your life on the line and sacrifice potentially your life for somebody else. Exactly. I mean, it's that whole situation where you're sitting somewhere and somebody comes in with a gun, you know, are you one of the people cowering under the table? Are you charging at the guy? You know, I think a lot of us want to be like, oh, hell yeah, I'd run up and whip his ass. But we don't really know because when are you, hopefully you never find out because hopefully Hopefully. you're never in that situation. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's just a weird thing. It's, It's just a... It's a salacious story is really what it is. I mean, that's about as salacious as it gets, especially when it's involving the Dallas Cowboys and it's Jerry Jones. It's yeah, just, buddy. it's wild. And you got to know that Steven and Charlotte are like, really? Now we got to split the pie another way? Well, see, I had this conversation earlier. <laughs> um, I'm being facetious. From, I was going to say, first off, I would assume that they already knew. Right. Yeah. And second off, because I was having this conversation earlier with somebody who said something similar. I go, why do you think this other person is getting in the will? <laughs> you know, maybe, but maybe not. There's no, you know, there's no guarantee that they are. Um, it's, you know, yeah. who knows? No, I was, I was being straight up facetious on that. The other thing before we get to our next conversation, I just wanted to throw this out for a couple of minutes. Ian Rappaport, a couple of others, I think, have this report that the Cowboys are having active trade conversations centered around Lyle Collins. And that apparently there is interest from other teams. Collins is due $10 million this year. And I, I, what do you think he could get? I mean, what do you get for a Lyle Collins? A third? A second? 
if if you if you got a second, I'd be like, uh, hold tight. Uh, we're getting it. We'll send them to you right now. Um, a third would be good. Uh, I'd take a fourth. Um, wow, really? So know, you, I, you just give up a fourth for him? If I'm the Cowboys or I mean, if he, I'm the other team. No, I, mean, if, I, think, uh, the, I think if you're the I Cowboys, think. because I mean, it's, it's offensive line depth is anything special. I think that we're finding out he's not, but he's still a piece that he doesn't suck. He's not trash. No, nah, he's not trash, but I'm down on Lyle Collins. I'm not the right guy to add. Like, I, I think he's <laughs> I know. like, like, I think he's a good dude. Like as a person, I think he's a good dude. And I don't give a fuck what his grade is in pro football focus. Uh, and I said that with emphasis. But to me, he's almost 30. He's had these hip problems. He's not, he didn't appear to me to be that much better than Terrence Steele. You couldn't move the ball with him as when he was out there any better than you did with anybody else. Yeah. I think he's to the point where he's, he's not just a guy, but he's in the, I mean, he's just one notch above. And I don't like his vibe, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't. It's something about that whole, I don't know, the suspension thing. I just just don't like his vibe. And so I'm like, I thought he was going to be a great player that they stole when they got him uh, because, you know, there's a lot of drama surrounding him. He didn't get drafted uh, because of some allegations that proved to be false. Um, So that was no fault of his. He just got caught up in some BS that he had really nothing to do with. And they gave him a nice contract. But he really never lived up to the billing. I mean, he's, he's had a couple good seasons, but he's never been what you thought he was going to be. And now that he's nearing 30 and he's been hurt, I'm like, ah, whatever, dog. Yeah, but I, I mean, I will say for a dude that was supposed to be a first-round pick that they got him as an undrafted free agent, he got a lot of value out of that guy as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, but he was supposed to be a first-round Right, pick, he was so, supposed to be, but, but and, fortunately for the Cowboys, but, they didn't have to do the first-rounder. Right, and I'm glad they didn't because if you got him for the first round pick, you'd be disappointed because he ain't been oh, yeah, he ain't yeah, been first sure. round pick yeah. good. I, so you know it's potato, potato, tomato, tomato, envelope, envelope, prefer, prefer. Exactly. I mean, however you like <laughs> it or lick it. <laughs> See, you took it to the nasty level. That's what you do all the time, and then you look. Who me? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> that is what I was doing, and you can't even see me. <laughs> I know you. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. I don't I guess to me, I just feel like if you're trying to build a better offensive line and you take a fourth for him, do you feel like you're getting a fourth round offensive lineman that's going to be better next year than what Lyle Collins would be? No, but um, now second rounder, I I'd do that deal. You don't even have to. What? OK, done. Well, maybe they didn't get a third for him. I don't know. Some of it might be. Well, let's look at it this way. Maybe it's if you take him, if you trade him. Let's let's call the let's take it in the middle. If you trade him for a third, you take his money off the books, and that allows you to keep Demarcus Lawrence. Okay, well, see you later. Yeah, so I mean, if, maybe if, if that's, you what, look if that's at what the thing is, but I'm sure we'll find out. We've got Clarence Hill Jr. He's coming up in a bit here on the podcast, and maybe we'll find out a little bit more. I'm sure he's been all over this as well, so we'll see. Uh, see if you cut him after June first, he cut. He's supposed to make ten million. If yeah. you cut him after June first, he counts one point three. Which is negligible. You know what I mean? Yeah, in, in that case, I think you probably do do that. Or if you can move them through a trade. And Which pick means up a you value. can save $10 million on the cap. Yeah, so looks like that may be happening then. 
Man, it just right. it never stops with the Dallas Cowboys. All right, before we get into this trip around the block, we need to tell you our sponsors. They're fantastic. I actually had somebody reach out today and said, hey, what's the, what's the number again for Blue Star Motor Group? I'm looking to get a car. And that's great because they took our advice. They did what we've been telling you to do with BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Here's the number if that's your situation because you need to include them. If I were you, I would start my car buying process at BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Just make it easy on yourself. 817-881-4066. That's Deb's number. You can call her. You can text her. Start your process with them. Get them involved and see what they can do for you. The thing about Deb and Mike is they're all about making deals, man. I just pulled up the website. They've got two pending deals, two of the first three cars you see. One of them says sold. The other one says pending. And then there's that 2016 BMW 4 Series that I've been calling your name over. Dude, I just can't figure out how to make it happen. But here's the thing. Deb can figure out how to make it happen. Give her a call. Tell her what you want. Price range doesn't matter. You're looking for a kid for your car. You're looking for a middle, mid-price car. You want a midlife crisis car. It doesn't matter. They got a car to fit every budget. Call Deb. They love to make deals. Yeah, they got a couple of really nice deals on their website right now. They've got a 2020 Subaru Ascent Touring 7-passenger SUV. Less than 30,000 miles on this thing. It's decked out, and it is under 41,000 on their website. Also, if you like trucks, this is a fantastic deal on this truck. They've got a 2016 Toyota Tacoma four-wheel drive double cab. It's a four-door, less than 39,000 miles, and they've got it listed at bluestarmotorgroup.com right now, under $37,000. Those are two phenomenal deals on very affordable vehicles. All their vehicles are Carfax certified, superior quality, involve them. If you are looking for a vehicle, you need to start with Blue Star Motor Group. Give Deb a call. Again, it's very easy to do this. She will pick up, and if she doesn't, she will get back to you very, very quickly. 817-881-4066, 817-881-4066 at bluestarmotorgroup.com. Also, of course, these go well so well together because you get the car, then you got to get your oil changed, you got to get your tires rotated, you got to do state inspection, and you're like, well, where do I go to do that? If you don't know that by now, then you must be a new listener, which is great. Welcome in. Because you need to be going to Freeway Tire Shop because that's where JR is. That is where the elite level of customer service that a mechanic can offer is available to you. That's why Jacques takes every single car he has to JR at Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, I take it to JR, man, because he he qualifies under the 4T program. And that's number one T. You can trust him to diagnose what the hell is wrong with the car. Number two, you can trust him to use quality parts. The third T, you can trust him to give you a fair price, charge you a fair price to do the work. And then the fourth T is, hey, you can trust him to stand behind his work. The 4T program is why I believe that JR is the best around. That's why I take all my cars to him. That's why I promise you. I would encourage you to do the same because this ain't just about, oh, he's with Jam Session sponsors, so y'all get a special deal. Nah, man, he treats everybody like this. Yes, he does. And and you've mentioned before how much you've paid for some of the work. He, you're, you're paying. It, it's happening, and he takes care of us because he takes care of everybody. Freeway Tire Shop. It's just north of downtown Dallas, right off of 35. Very easy to get to. Check out the website. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment at freewaytireshop.com. So let's jump into this trip around the block. A couple of little things to get into here. First off, and, and you sent this article and it's happening everywhere. 
We are about to have record high gas prices. Gas is higher now than it's been since 2008. In many places, it is well over $4 a gallon. I, it's, it's in Birmingham, there's a couple of places that have it like for $4.29 or $4.39 a gallon. I drove out to Bucky's, which generally speaking, Bucky's has the cheapest gas anywhere. It was $4.08 a gallon at Bucky's. Dude, I didn't park the Porsche, brother. Yeah, I mean, the Porsche used that premium gas. I'm like, can't afford it right now. No. Um, and I saw uh, the regular gas, which the Honda uses. Yeah. Uh, that was about, uh, I think I saw it for 429. Um, I'm not yet. I'm not yet at the point where I'm going to Costco where you get the savings because I just don't want to sit in line for five hours while everybody else wants to go there to save. You know. 12 cents a gallon. I ain't, I'm not at that point yet. Uh, but I have, uh, I have t- made my decisions about driving. And let me tell y'all something that everybody, well, a lot of y'all can relate to. Check this out, Matt. This is not your problem just yet, Matt. I told my son, hey, man, you know how much gas is? He said, yeah, it's really expensive right now. I said, yeah, so don't have your ass all over town driving. You need to go where you need to go, make one big loop, and come on back, bro. Because he was between jobs and he just started working again. And so uh, he's got his own credit card. I mean, it's my thing, but you got to teach your kids how to use credit responsibly. So he's got it and he uses it for gas. But when he had a job, he paid it back. Well, he ain't got no job. So I'm like, bruh, $70 to fill up that Challenger, man. That shit better last you a long time. (laughs) That's how it is, man. It's yeah, We ain't having no weekly fill-ups. Yeah, it's it's something else. I mean, it is really something else. And obviously, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine has not made this easy. It's really skyrocketed. As a matter of fact, I mean, I went and got gas yesterday. As we record this on Thursday, so I usually get to the radio station. I mean, I do a one-man show, so I get there like a half hour before my show begins because I do all my prep at home. And the, one of the guys who helps out on the show, he had come in earlier, and I was commenting to him because they built a brand-new gas station like right around the corner from where the station is. And I right. said, man, I was going to stop and get gas at the station this morning. He goes, and I, I, I said, it's four twenty nine a gallon. He looked at me and goes, four twenty nine. He goes, I just drove by it two hours ago. It was four nineteen. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's gone up 10 cents in two hours then because that's how much it was. But, you know, this is one of the weird things. And I've never understood. I, I don't understand why people think the president can control this. I think that's very strange. Like, I don't know if people realize that every president, and you can go all the way back to Bush, Every president since then left office with gas higher than when he entered office. I mean, that's just reality. It has nothing to do with the president. It doesn't matter if it was Trump or Biden or Bush or Obama or Clinton or Reagan. It doesn't matter. And there's very little that they can do. And then I heard somebody argue, well, they could, you know, he shut down the Keystone Pipeline his first day in office. Even if the Keystone Pipeline, which wasn't operational, and so it wouldn't even matter in this realm that we're going through right now, but even if it was... The Keystone Pipeline would make up less than 10% of our, of our oil. And the results of that would be negligible for the price that we're seeing right now because of where we get most of our oil. The main problem has become is that we're way too dependent on foreign oil and we're way too dependent on foreign energy. And we've got to figure out alternatives in this realm, in, in our country, so that when we're having things like this, and you can say, well, they should open up the strategic reserve. Well, they have. That's, that's barely going to make a dent. And there's only so much that that can do. The one thing that might help the most is 
I saw two Democratic senators had proposed a bill to eliminate the gap, the federal gas tax for the remainder of the year. And the federal gas tax is something like 18 cents. And so that would help to some degree. But again, there's nothing that's going to drop it down to what it was before because we get the bulk of our oil from foreign countries. And those foreign countries, Russia being the main one right now, we can't get any from them. No. Now, I read something that said we got a bunch of reserves. Now, you know, I don't get too involved in this, but we got a bunch of reserve oil that could be used, but the, but the oil company's like, oh, why would we do that? We can just raise the price and make more money now. Yeah, it's supply and demand, man. I mean, and that's what I, I've never, like, I go to the pump, and I don't give a crap who you voted for or what your political beliefs are. I just, again, if Trump was in the office, the gas would be this high. It, it just, it doesn't make any sense. I've, I've, and I guess people are just upset and mad, and, but I always see that. I'm like, what do you think that they're supposed to do? They can't do anything. It, it's... Like you're talking about oil companies own this shit and it's supply and demand. And they go, we have the supply. You guys have a crazy demand for it. We can all get way richer. And that's just the way that it works for the most part. I mean, again, there are small things that can be done. This, friends, check this out. Listen carefully. This is called capitalism. Pretty much. I mean, this is how we rock over here. This is what we say. This is why America is the best country. Hey, Doc, this is the fallout from being the best country. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... It's just one of those things that unfortunately right now, this is something that we're going through that hopefully hopefully things will get better. But the reality of it is, and, and I mean, you can, again, if you don't believe me, do some research and just do some reading. I mean, it's very easy to find out. Any economist will tell you there are no quick fixes. There just aren't. And things are going to get even higher if some other things continue to happen. And the longer that this lasts... This is going to be this is going to be tough. So hopefully we can tap in more so to the strategic reserve and that will give us some temporary relief, but you know, again, a big part of this is recommitting to domestic oil and gas production. That's the biggest part of this, honestly, I think. No, it is. And I I mean, it's one of those things that I don't know that it's going to happen. You know, I mean, maybe it will happen in my lifetime. I mean, we got electric cars and everything else going yeah. on. But to me, you know, gas is what it is, man. It's a necessary deal. You got to pay for it. And so while I attempt to be prudent in how I travel, you just got to, you, you have to have it. And so you just got to pay for it. And I don't even sit around and bitch about how much it costs because you're going to pay for it because you need it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm hoping that they'll do the federal tax thing and that they'll work with states and get some of the states to repeal it. Because depending on where you live and what state that you're in, you know, state tax on on gas can be in between 30 and 33 cents a gallon. You know, so if, if there's something that you could do that and then you combine it with the federal tax, you know, you, we could drop it 50 cents a gallon just off the taxes from the federal and, and from state taxes. State taxes are higher, as I just mentioned, than federal taxes are. So there's a lot more into play here that, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it would be nice to see if we would put a bigger focus on domestic energy and al alternate forms of energy instead of just relying on gas. But if something were to come out that was real like that, you also kind of wonder how much the gas companies would allow that to happen. Like my grandfather will swear, well, he's no longer alive, but he would swear to you that <laughs> I, I think it was somebody he knew, I can't remember somebody who had invented a way to turn and use like a, a, an engine by just using like water and making it like, like steam engine, yes, but 
making it to where it was super cheap and easy and anybody could do it and that the gas company came and like bought it away from him and it never became anything. And I was like, well, who knows? I mean, it could have just been an old man's fable. <laughs> I don't know. But gas is out of control. I think we can all agree, at least agree on that and it sucks. But, you know, there's a variety of reasons for why that is. The other thing, this upcoming weekend is the weekend of St. Patrick's Day celebrations in Dallas. And for the first time since 2019, COVID had it canceled in 2020. COVID had it canceled in 2021. It is back this year. The Greenville St. Patrick's Day Parade and Block Party is happening on Saturday on Greenville Avenue in Dallas. It is the 41st version of the parade and the Grand Marshal is none other than number 41, Dirk Nowitzki. How about that? So that's pretty and, cool. you know, given his German heritage, I'm sure he can throw back a pint or two. I'm sure he can. And so <laughs> if, you're, if you're cool to do it and you want to go and that's your thing, it starts around 11 a.m. And the parade starts out there at Greenville and Blackwell Streets, which is kind of like where that Half Price Books is over there. And then it'll wrap all the way down to like kind of mid-Greenville area where the block party will happen, but the parade actually stops down there at, oh, what is it now? SMU Boulevard in Greenville is what yeah. that is now. And I used to go every year. I mean, me and Nick used to go year in and year out. I, I went, when I first moved back to Texas, originally from Alabama in 2017 was the last time I went. And, you know, outside of that, it's just, it's just a lot. I mean, the block party is a lot, a lot, a lot of people. <laughs> It's too many people for you, boy. Yeah, it's just not my thing anymore, man. I mean, I like, I love St. Patrick's Day. I love going out and having a good time, but I like to go to the places where I can actually move without having a million bodies and a mass <laughs> horde of people shoved up against me. Jeez, is it like that? It, dude, have you not seen pictures from the block party? Remember, that's where Zeke got in trouble for pulling that girl's boob out. Uh, yeah, I, re I remember that. I didn't. Uh, yeah, the block I party, I mean, it, it's right there in like mid Greenville. Where it's not quite lower, I guess technically that's lower Greenville because it's south of Mockingbird. It's not lowest Greenville. And it's over there by where like Stan's Bloom Note is and oh, what I, I forget what else used to be over there. But there used to be a couple of other prominent bars. The Dubliners over there. Uh, what else? I'm trying to remember. But it, they shut down the street and it feels like there's like 10,000 people in just like this tiny little space. I mean, it's insane. And I don't get it because you go into a bar to order a drink and it takes you, I mean, you're waiting in line for like 30 minutes. Um, it's a young people's dude, game. I was going to say, bro, it ain't no spot for me. None whatsoever. It's too many people, man. I don't want to be around that many people. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be around that many people. I don't want to deal with the traffic around that many people. And yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're Ubering, taxiing, walk. It just, to get in and out is too much for me. Yeah, man. I, I, Get off my lawn. No, that's how I've gotten. I mean, it is what it is at this point. And then finally, the other thing for you here on this, and, you know, I, this is one of those guys that I, I know he's a legend, and I his songwriting <laughs> especially. Is this what I think it is? Bob Dylan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bob Dylan, now, by the time all of you listen to this, he'll have already played, but he is playing Thursday night, which is tonight while we record this. At Toyota Music Factory in Irving, Bob Dylan just put out an al album called Rough and Rowdy Ways, his first album with original songs in eight years. The dude turns 81 in May. Who's there? <laughs> and he's a brilliant songwriter, and he has written some amazing music, and, it, and we all know some of his classics. 
But with a dude like this, and, I, and maybe I'm just an ass, I don't have a, I don't give a rat's ass what he just put out. If I went to that concert, if you're not playing all your hits from the 60s and 70s, give me my money back. <laughs> you're not about the new music, bro? No, man. And nobody who is like, oh my God, Bob Dylan just put out a new album. I can't wait for that. No, you want, oh yeah, is he going to sing Rolling Stone? Is he going to sing, you know, Wagon Wheel, which he originally wrote? I mean, who knows? And, and so many others that Bob Dylan has had over the years. Hey, you just broke some news to me. You mean Darius Rucker's Wagon Wheel? Well, okay, so Wagon Wheel was originally written by Bob Dylan, but a band called o Old Crow Medicine Show took it and finished it and actually put out the first recorded version of it. And then Darius Rucker is covering the Old Crow Medicine Show version. Okay, that's a lot of movement. <laughs> it's a great song. Dude, Old Code Medicine Show's version of it is by far the best. It's way better than Darius Rucker, I think, personally. Way better than Darius Rucker? I'm just telling you, man. Way better? Yes. Uh, all right, I mean, if you say so, buddy. Old Crow Medicine oh. Show, I'm telling you. Check it out. But yeah, it was originally written by Bob Dylan. Dude, Bob Dylan oh. has written a ton of songs that... Uh, I mean, he is one of the great songwriters of all time. I mean, one of the great songwriters. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Even of stuff that he never even sang that he just originally wrote. And that's a great example of that. But man, you look at some of the stuff that this dude has put out. And, and I mean, he's such, uh, there's so much greatness from him. But I just, he, I, for whatever reason, I, I would never care if I saw Bob Dylan, ever. <laughs> you don't either. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> You know, the point of me sending you that story, bro, was to say, you know, like I went to Bruce Springsteen concert once. Uh, I wasn't really interested in Bruce Springsteen, yeah. but I was working on a piece with a guy with a guy named Sean Asale, fantastic writer from ESPN. And then he was a huge Springsteen guy. And he's like, Springsteen's in town. We're going. I go, what do you mean we're going? We're going. I bought the tickets. You just show up. Okay, dude bought the tickets. I guess I'll show up. Uh, but it was really more about, you know, he's an iconic singer, so I'll go see him. So yeah. I wondered if it was worth Bob Dylan is an iconic singer. He's in his 80s. Clearly, time is running out on your ability to see him perform. And so, you know. Yeah, and, and I don't know why, man. I just... And there is some greatness to him. And I mean, some real legit greatness to this dude. But I, I, for whatever reason, it's just never been my thing. I mean, I know, I think we all know, and we all know the same songs. I mean, that's not a surprise. I mean, we all, the times are a change and blowing in the wind. I mean, you could go on and on with the stuff that he's saying, you know, but, but it's funny because there's, there's many songs that he has written that a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't realize that he wrote these. One of those is It Ain't Me, Babe, from Johnny and June Carter Cash. All along the Watchtower that Jimi Hendrix made famous, Bob Dylan wrote that. <laughs> it's amazing, bro. No, I mean, he, he has, there are, I could probably name, I'm trying to think, uh, Mr. Tambourine Man that the Birds made famous, he did that one. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. He, he did a couple for George Harrison, I know. Um... He did a couple for the band. Remember the band? Remember that song, yeah. Knock, Knock, Knocking on Heaven's Door, that Warren Zevon or Zevon? No. He, I remember that he song. Wrote that. I, don't know, I don't know none of the people involved in it. Okay, yeah. Well, he originally wrote that song. I mean, just so many that he has done for other people 
you know, even in today, like he's written a couple of the the uh, songs that Adele has done. Oh, jeez. Yeah, really? knocking on heaven's door that he did. That Guns and I guess I already said that the Guns and Roses, you know, ended up doing as well. That's who I was thinking. I was thinking of the Guns and Roses version. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Right, right, right. Anyway. Yeah, man. I mean, that dude has done some stuff. I just, like Bruce Springsteen, I'd be all about going to see Bruce. Oh, okay. I'd love to and see Bruce did, Springsteen. He did put on a three-hour show, and that was must have been shortly after Prince died because he did his own version of, uh, what you call it, Purple Rain. Man, I bet that was cool. Yeah, that was nice. It was I nice. Mean, Bruce Springsteen can rock out. I, I have his live album live at Madison Square Garden, and it's about three hours long. And he's got he's got like a an eight minute version of Atlantic City on that album and an an eleven minute version of the river on that album. And it, they're just incredible. You know, where they're just jamming out. It's him and the E Street band just doing what they do. Yeah. Which I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of that. So anyway, there you have it. There you go. That was fun. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Before we get into our conversation with Clarence Hill Jr. and get back into some big Cowboys questions, have you guys done this yet and made the call to HFX Foundation Solutions? Have you noticed, and this is a time of year, you'll start noticing this stuff because as the rain starts coming in in, in the rainy season in the spring, you may notice like some standing water. You may kind of realize you're having some soil washout. All that can lead to poor foundation where eventually you start noticing cracks in your ceilings and your walls. That's your house telling you you may have a problem. The good news is HFX Foundation Solutions, it's a local family-owned business. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. They will come to your house. They will spend about 45 minutes pointing out some things, taking a look. That call, if you're starting to notice those things, that call could save you potentially thousands of dollars in damages down the road by catching drainage and foundation issues early hey man let aaron and his crew come over and just give you peace of mind i mean there's a reason why we call it seriously a colonoscopy for your house that's because a colonoscopy provides peace of mind for you this does the same thing you know they give your house the once over odds are they'll say hey great lucky for you no problems and if by chance they do find something again odds are they find it early that means whatever it takes to fix it is a fraction of what it would cost if you find it in stage four or, you know, or later. So let Aaron and them do their thing, get some peace of mind, and then you can really enjoy the spring and the summer. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the way to do it. And it's easy. It's an easy call. 817-770-0174. 817-770-0174. Find them online at hfxfoundation.com. And it, it really is honestly that simple. Also, of course, as we get into the springtime and we start getting into the summertime, you start seeing people gathering again. And you're going to have gatherings. You'll have family reunions. You'll have graduation parties. You know what you should do is have a big-ass crawfish boil. And you know, yeah. you know who can bring that crawfish to you? Muddy Waters crawfish. Dude, I just got a text from him today, unprompted, mind you, that said he was down in New Orleans for his annual tutorial and he sent me a big old, he didn't send it to me, he showed me a picture of a big old plate of crawfish. And I'm like, dude, who wouldn't like to suck the head off of that? Yeah, you know? no doubt, man. I mean, they, they do it like you're talking about. They do it that, Louis, that Louisiana style boil. And yep. he's capable. He's got his own trailer, brings it to you. He can boil up to 600 pounds in one drop. And I got to tell you, it is delicious. The flavor is through and through. Woo! It's fantastic. 
Yeah, man. They can do it. They can get you taken care of. They will come to you. So check them out. Muddywaterscrawfish.com on the web is the easiest way to do that. You can also find them on Instagram. They're all about it, man. And I'm telling you because this is something, you know, it's interesting. That's something that's really gotten more and more popular. It feels like in recent years where people are doing these big crawfish events. So if you're going to do yeah. that, why not have the best? Dude, you Damn, that looks amazing. You just sent me a picture. Oh, right? I just sent you the picture. Yeah, don't don't Holy cheat yourself. Holy crap, that looks good. Go get the best. Yeah. Go get the best. Muddy Waters Crawfish. You know, we don't be making this up. You know, it's, if we tell you it's the best, it really is. MuddyWatersCrawfish.com. Easy to get ahead of. Check them out. Book them for your events. All right, here we are. It is time. We do it every week here. We are joined, as always, brought to you by Soda Weight Loss. You know his work, longtime Cowboys beat writer from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence Hill Jr. with us. And Chill, I mean, there is so much to get into with this Dallas Cowboys team. Before we get to the on-the-field stuff, let's talk about the off-the-field stuff. <laughs> Jerry Jones has a secret daughter that he has been paying the last 25 years. What do you think about that whole story? <laughs> Oh, I can't go into all of my thoughts about that whole story. That's, you know, it, we got to say sure that for the book. We got to say that for the book, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's you know, I've been doing like a timeline of a Jerry Jones controversies over the years. You know, ever since he's joined the Cowboys, you know, it, it, it's been a time filled with with cop to field controversies and everything from you know the way he you know, awkwardly fired Tom Landry to suing the league to, you know, suing over the, uh, suing the league over the sponsorships to suing the league over Goodell to follow Zeke to, you know, race these photos. It, it's always been something. And, you know, you know, this off season with the Rich Dalrymple scandal and now this, you know, paternity suit, I mean, I'm not surprised. You know, there's, there's, there's nothing that you could say that has happened uh, with the Cowboys other than them winning a Super Bowl the last 25 years. That's a surprise. <laughs> so what do you make? So are you trying to say this story has absolutely no effect on the Dallas Cowboys and why they haven't been able to win a Super Bowl since 1995? Well, you know, funny thing is, you know, this thing was, con I'm, saying, I'm sorry, this situation occurred, baby was conceived, what, right after they won the Super Bowl in 1996? <laughs> maybe he yes. needs to be doing it again then. Maybe that's the <laughs> missing ingredient. Or maybe this has been the jinx. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of it like that. Maybe it is. <laughs> for, for whatever reason, it's part of But, yeah, it has no bearing on what's happened on the football field. It has no bearing on the league. It's not. It's no bearing on any type of work culture situation. You know, there's nothing that the league will address. This is clearly a personal matter that has gone public in today's day and age. But it is what it is. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's embarrassing. It's something that, you know, I don't know when we'll ever talk to Jerry again. You know, <laughs> he didn't talk to us at the combine. He certainly is not going to want to address this stuff, and, and we'll see. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot. Uh, to be fair, at the combine, he had a medical issue, Chill. Come on. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Stephen Jones knew nothing about the medical issue when we asked him about it. God, about he had to be like, what? What's wrong with my dad? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's amazing. And that not surprising at all. All right, let's let's talk about all the stuff that's happening with this team. And we, we've gone through the Amari Cooper stuff before. It, last week, they went and asked Tank Lawrence to take a pay cut. He refused. 
is there any realm in which Tank Lawrence is in jeopardy with the Cowboys, or is that, oh, okay, well, you're not going to take a pay cut, but we want you on the team, so we're just going to move on? Well, you know, it's just a moving target. It's just still to be worked out. I mean, you know, he, it, it depends on the type of pay cut they're asking him to take. I mean, he wants to stay here, and he'll work with them, but the offer they made him, he's to turn down. Now, would they? can they amend that offer? Can they do something else that'll make it work? Can he get his money back? put something incentives out there. We can get some of his money back. You know, that never remains to be seen. Uh, I don't think that's a much of a done deal as the Amari Cooper being gone is a done deal. Now we, I, the Cooper thing is, 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 is a done deal pretty much. Uh, I don't know if tank is a done deal, but it's certainly a conversation they've had and it's on the table that he could be gone, but it's not a done deal that he's gone. Is this is this thing with Damari Cooper? Is it a release type thing, or I think I'd read somewhere where there's interest from teams where they might actually be able to to pull some value from him for a pick or something? Yeah, it's just like that. The, a team is going to sign uh, uh, Dalton Schultz to get a Cowboys two first round pick. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I was like, my god. Oh, I feel bad. I, I mean, mean, you never know. Washington is in the league, so it's possible some team could do that. I mean, you're holding out hope that, you know, you can get something for him, but why would a team trade him when they know he's going to be released? Why would you trade for him when you know he's going to be released? You know, and then you can sign your own deal. You know, there's, you know, there's thought, well, we, we, you know, maybe they'll, you know, trade for him and renegotiate his contract, you know, uh, to ensure they get him. But, I mean, he's going to be released. You know, why trade for him when you could just sign, you know, negotiate your own contract and not give up anything yeah. for him? There was no market for him last week at the combine. Now, all of a sudden, Teams are talking about him. You know, obviously, you put it out there to try to drum up some interest. But, you know, as of right now, there's, there's nothing there. You know, but he will have a market. There's no question that teams want him. You know, Cleveland, New England, Philadelphia, possibly. I mean, their teams are going to be clamoring Kansas City for Amari Cooper. He's going to have a market. He just doesn't have to work here, but he's going to have to work with someone. Mm. Yeah, no, he's going to have a good time. His, his toughest job would be finding the right fit in the right place right. Uh, for him to to be productive and win, you know. And, uh, you know, so I, I ain't worried about Mark Cooper. And, uh, you know, he'll be fine. Uh, Lyle no, Collins. It, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let me just say, you know, and, and I think Mark Cooper is going to be fine. And he could go all somewhere else and blow up and have a good year. My issue has always been, even with the St. Lawrence thing, are the Cowboys better without a Mark Cooper? And I would say uh, no, they're not no. a better football team. Not, not a better offense without Amari okay. Cooper. Amari Cooper made that. Let me you know, uh, let me raise this issue because I had this random thought pop in my head earlier today, which probably means you'll be reading about it in Dallas Morning News sometime in the next few days. Okay, what's the knock on what's the knock on Amari Cooper from a Cowboys perspective? Well, with the way we run our scheme. If teams take him away, well, then we go to, uh, you know, we go to other receivers and they're very productive. And, you know, that's why he's not getting the targets to make him worth the money. Okay, that's fine. Well, we, we accept that to be truth. So let me ask y'all, why would that not happen to CeeDee Lamb if he's the number one? We're going to take him away. We're going to make you throw it to Gallup and whatever veteran you bring in here, this year's version of Randall Cobb. We're going to take CeeDee Lamb away, and he's going to end up with, you know, 100 targets and 70 catches and 900 yards and six touchdowns. Well, the problem here is that it's a, it's a money thing. You're not paying CeeDee Lamb $20 million. 
I mean, I, I don't think that if, if market was making less money, we wouldn't have this conversation. It's a money thing. It's about investment things. I'm not going to pay you. I understand our system. Our system does not, you know, force the ball to one guy. Our system, you know, you throw it to the guy that's open. That's our system. Okay? So if that's our system, why are we paying one guy $20 million? That's the, that's okay. the front office decision. You know, it, yes, it's the same can happen to CD Lamb, but the investment in CD Lamb is not the same. You know, we're not paying CD Lamb $20 million in, in taking that book of a salary cap and he's not producing uh, to that level. No, nah, but he's going to be looking for that $20 million in, well, in two well, years. Well, we're talking about next year. See, we, 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 that's, that's two years from now. And Bullshit. We're looking at this. We can't pay Amari because we're looking at salary cap for three years from now. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, we're talking about next year's salary cap about Amari. What but the, what I'm saying well, is, lying asses. If Jerry hadn't to pay his secret daughter, he could have paid Amari. <laughs> yeah, because that shit counts against the cap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love cowboy fans. You just gotta yeah, love them. Yes, and you 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 were getting ready to ask me about Lyle Collins. Yes, yes, what yeah. Because I'm like, and, you can have Lyle Collins. I'm down on Lyle Collins. That, that's fine. That's fine. The focus of the offseason, they told me, was improving the offensive line. How'd they go improve and the offensive line? Let Lyle Collins go. That's what I said. Are you improved? Well, if you improved the offensive line by letting Lyle Collins go. Then why was Leo Collins starting in front of Terrence Hill at the end of the season? When they said Leo Collins was was was, was the best guy. Well, that's because Terrence Steele is on is on the come, Clarence E. Hill Jr. And Lyle Collins is turning thirty, and the young boy he still got <laughs> low money. Plus, maybe Clarence Hill, uh, we can get rid of him and use that savings of about nine million to help get take and keep him on the team. <laughs> It's, it's a moving target, but they, yeah, if you can get something for Leo Collins, then fine, get something for him. I'm sure he's going to have a market. And I think Leo Collins will be better one year after surgery, you know, as they all are, than he was this year. You know, you can also about, you know, bank on that. Hopefully, Leo Collins will be better with a full season, full off season, not having to rehab from surgery and all the other stuff as it was coming off last season. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. The bottom line is they need to improve the offensive line through friends and through the draft. Uh, you know, through, you know, uh, people getting better from within, like a thrill, Terrence Steele, you know, they have to be better up front. Hey, don't forget they took Josh Ball. They took a tackle last year. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. there'll be some quality bargains on the tackle tackle bin that they can add in the offseason, fellas. Yeah, yeah, they took a tackle last year, but, you know, he had, you know, a strength issue, and he was the reason why he, he was not a top you know, if, for whatever reason in Dallas, you have to have top picks to play up front. You know that, right? Or, or first round talent. <laughs> That's true. You can't get by with, with, with free agents and guys who pick the middle round. That just doesn't work. If It feels that way, apparently, from the Cowboys. But, you know, what do you think value-wise, Jacques and I were talking about this. I mean, where, where do you see Collins pulling back? Like a fourth-round pick or something? Yeah, you're not getting a first. I mean, sure. You hope no, you not a first-round round, no. pick. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully you can get a first round. Maybe I mean, a fourth round pick, a middle round pick. I mean, I don't know what you're gonna get. You, you can't get much for him, right? Some cool, it, great joints and, and coming off injuries <laughs> and, and coming off of a down season. Who's gonna give That's... you a, a second or third round pick for him? Maybe in the fourth, who's gonna give you that much for him? You hope to get a fifth for him, right? Then it must. Then then it's just a way to move money because he'd be worth to keep him at a fourth or a fifth. But if you just yeah, try I to mean, clear clearly, money, we'll take this. Clearly, if you think Steele can replace him and continue to improve replacing, then yeah, save the money. 
You can spend the money elsewhere because you do have money issues. Yeah, I mean, I mean they can't afford penalties the last They can't year. afford Cedric Wilson right now. They can't afford the punter. Yeah. You know what they need to do is yeah. ask somebody if they can buy some food stamps at 50 cents on a dollar. You know, this is the great value <laughs> for agencies. It's one of the great values. Man, this is one of those things, and, and they'll find a way somehow when, when everybody gets to camp to sell hope again. Not but, to me, they ain't. But I just, uh, how, how are right now when we look at this, and they've got a lot of their own free agents, those dudes who balled out for a year that they, that they want to bring back. And there's, how are, is anybody supposed to believe this team is better next year than what it was last year? Because hope springs eternal. Everybody started the season believe we started zero zero, and and you think that you know something could happen, and you know you're going to bank on the draft. You know what if you get Jamis Williams in the draft? It's going to be exciting. Oh hell yeah, it will be. That dude's a beast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, what if you, you know, or to get the big defensive tackle from Georgia? I mean, what if, what if one of those guys come God. here? You don't think you're going to be excited again? That would excite me, yes. But, again, I mean, do you – this is where this gets what interesting. If you keep tank, what if you find a way to keep Tank uh, and, and get one of those guys or you, or, and, you and you sign, you know, uh, the, the – uh, You know, Wagner or my boy uh, out of uh, – <laughs> Who'd you say? Earl Thomas. God. <laughs> what about Bobby Wagner? Maybe, you know, he only made $15 million a year last year. Maybe he wants to come back, be with Dan Quinn so much, he'll sign for $3 million this year. That right? I, mean, I ain't interested in no 32-year-old linebacker. God. He had 170 tackles last year. But what about Jordan Hicks? I think he's a very quality linebacker. He's an upgrade over Lady Vanderbilt. He got, just got cut by the Cardinals. Yeah. Texas X. Former Longhorn. No, it's true. <laughs> no, there's some names yeah. out there. I mean, it's very productive. Landon Collins just got cut. I'd like Didn't to see. Take a cut. And yeah, so this will be when they invest in the safety position. That'll be interesting. Well, but do you have to invest in him? He got cut. He, he's going to get big money. He a box safety. He can go somewhere. Ain't interested. <laughs> God. <laughs> You know, you bring up, what about Jamison Williams at 24? Do you think the Cowboys, do you think a wide receiver is on the radar in the first round? Uh, wide receiver is on the radar in the first and second round. You know, and I think that, you know, Jamison Williams, and I've, you know, talked to the agent, and I've seen some of his video. He's going to be healthy and ready to go. And, you know, uh, if, if he didn't tear his ACL, he would have been the first receiver off the board. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that dude, I'm telling you, that guy is a burner. Yeah, and he's a guy who, to me, is a perfect example of why the transfer portal is necessary. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who couldn't get no run in Ohio State, okay? For whatever reason, couldn't get no run in Ohio State. He's better than the guys that were in front of him in Ohio State. He's better than Garrett Wilson. A healthy Jamison Williams is better than Garrett Wilson. But he couldn't get no run in front of Garrison Wilson. Wilson. And, and what's the other guy named? Chris Alave. Alave. Why, why do we say he's, he's better? Did you watch him last year? <laughs> I that don't mean he. That don't mean he better. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's always. He's, he's always faster. And he got the ball thrown to him at Alabama like he didn't get it thrown to him at Ohio State. If he had stayed, he'd have had a good year. But you know, don't be trying to don't be trying to to, to create bullshit with our program. There's all. They were all. They all first round picks. There's no no doubt, but he would not have been a first round pick if he to stay. And I'm just saying that going, it, it's not about competition; it's about opportunity. And, and transferring to Alabama created opportunity for him to be a first right. round pick. 
and he would have been the number. He was he was considered the best receiver in college football last year. He would have been the number one receiver taken if he don't yeah. get hurt. And I'm just saying it. And all I'm saying was he's a poster child of why the transfer portal is important and why it's good for players. Not about you're scared to compete and you don't want to do it. No. You know, we are trying to get to the next level. We're all trying to maximize our potential. Yes, I love you. I want to be a part of this team. But this team, for whatever reason, you know, and you got and, – and I, I'm not blaming you or our state for starting Garrett Wilson and, and, and Alave. They were great players. They got guys coming over and behind them that are great players. But this guy should have been playing, and he went somewhere else to play, and he maximized his opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he okay. did. That, that'd be an interesting one, man, because he's, I think, if I recall, he's like 6'2", 190, 195, and I would not have been surprised if he could have ran at the combine, if he would have ran the fastest 40, because that dude can yeah. fly. No, he can his fly. Parents, his parents said he would have ran the fastest 40. He, I guarantee you he would have ran sub 4'3", and you're, you're talking about a 6'2", 190 receiver who can run a sub 4'3". That would be Daddy interesting. Daddy told me he was running 4'19". Jesus, yeah. See, I wouldn't be surprised, and you you wouldn't. He'd be like, your now third the truth guy. comes out. Daddy told me. See, now the truth comes out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why you had this biased ass conversation. The daddy to filled your head biased. up. That's why. It's not that's why. Biased. I'm just saying. Had, had dinner with daddy. I'm not watching. Oh man, we had dinner with daddy. <laughs> you ain't no different than a runner. <laughs> <laughs> dinner with mama, daddy, and his eight. He's not better than Jackson Smith and Jigba because he's from Rockwall. <laughs> Matt had dinner with his daddy. That's next year. That's next year. He's yeah, next it is, year. It is next year. He is next year. That's true. Yeah. So, oh, it never ends. It never ends, man. This offseason, this, this NFL, I mean, the last couple of days in the NFL is just, it's the reason why the NFL is the most popular sport on the planet. Well, in America. I mean, Carson Wentz is in the division again. That's fantastic. Is it? What do you think about that, Jim? I, I think that uh, the Cowboys cornerbacks were happy. You know, you, you saw a smile. <laughs> you know, you, Trevon Diggs put out an emoji. He was happy. <laughs> I'm just put glad. out an emoji. Happy emoji. Yeah. Another team for him not to lead. It'll be fantastic. It's what he is. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And you look at the landscape of the NFL – and, and, and what has happened? You know, Dak Prescott is—is is he the third best quarterback? Is—is is he second, third, fourth? Where, where does he fit as quarterback to NFC? We were talking right about now. that on our last podcast because obviously Aaron Rodgers would be one, but with Russell Wilson out of the conference, you know, who who would it be? Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray, and then Dak. I mean, they're in, right there for two, three, four. Right. Right. I mean, Stafford just you know, won a he, Super Bowl and, and, you know, had that game-winning drive and found a way to get the ball to Cooper Cup no matter what. So I think I might put him ahead of Dak. Yeah, yeah. Are you, I mean, you, Dak's in the- you're, in your right, you're in your right to do that. But, you know, and, and, but, but again, and I, and I love Stafford, but, you know, if, if my boy from Fort could, could catch a pop-up pick. Yeah, you know, that's also true. That's fair. Football. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he catch a pop-up pick. I'm on like Blake Gideon against Texas Tech. Pop up pick. Now I'll never forget Blake Gideon. Fourteen years ago. <laughs> hey man, God man, you know, that would have won a I national think, title if he'd caught that. What's it? I think he's great because why did the Cowboys win the Super Bowl in '95? Because Larry Brown made two of the easiest interceptions you'll ever see. Why yes, did the Steelers you get the there? there? You still got to catch the, him. The Steelers got there because the Colts, Quentin Corriott, dropped the easiest interception you'll ever see. Otherwise, they've been playing the Colts. So you got to make those plays, man. 
Got to uh, before we let exactly. you before, I mean, uh, before I mean, we let you go, go ahead. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off. That's what difference between winners and losing. Everybody talks about the Cowboys, and and again, I go back to Romo dropping the snap. You know, winners make plays. You 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 make your own destiny. You make what's happening, or you cause it. But you have to make those plays. If, if Romo doesn't drop that that snap, you know, when that next, you know on a field goal. We may be talking about different legacy for the Cowboys. Hell yeah! Uh, I was gonna say before we let you go, uh, you know, perhaps we need to give Chills' ex-wife credit, or maybe we give him the credit. But another one of his daughters has done it again. His daughter Jira won the district uh, all-around gymnastics championship yesterday. Helped Trinity win its first gymnastics title since 1997. And uh, hopefully she'll go on to the state meet and uh, do her thing and uh, make it happen again this year. Yes, it, it was, you know, the, the thing about it, you know, the gymnastics is, is you feel like you're up there on the bar with them. And it, it is, it is and I don't know if you feel in football, or, you know, you're watching your, your kids play. And I think it's in gymnastics, I mean, you're, you're going to every event with them. And, and, and so uh, we all went through the ringer, but she is, such a trooper and such a um, a competitor, and now she's focused on regional and state. But yeah, we've had a good week. The Hill kids have had a good month. That's right. Drinks on yeah, the Hill, no Daddy. <laughs> We're not making no money. Okay? That sounds like a personal we'll problem. Drinks on the Hill, Daddy. <laughs> awesome. All right, Chill. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for hanging for a bit. Yes, hopefully Jared Jones will talk to us soon or will ever talk to me again. But, uh, you know, we got to write these, these stories, and, you know, they they coming out. <laughs> I'm going to take a word out of uh, our, our boy Liam Neeson's movie. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so we'll talk to you later. Bye, man. Right. <laughs> there he is, Clarence Hill Jr. It's <laughs> good stuff. You got to like that. Brought to you, as always, by Soda Weight Loss. All right, as we continue here with you, I thought this was really interesting because for those that don't know, Jacques has been doing a lot of work with Deion Sanders, and I think everybody's familiar now that he coaches for Jackson State, obviously. But I don't think anybody knew. Last year, all we saw was that Deion Sanders would show up to games, and he's on one of those little scooter things that everybody uses now. Like, if you blow out your knee or you tear your Achilles or whatever – you know, you're on like a little scooter deal or whatever it is. And he was zipping around in that. And you had the story, and I guess Barstool Sports is tied into this as well, where they're doing like a television show or something with them. Dude, you really should check it out if you get a chance. It's a fantastic show. Uh, they literally, you know, they're doing a docuseries on Dion's uh, season last year, and they'll have one on next next season. And it's a docuseries, and it's just like, uh, what's the one on Netflix about the junior college football program? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name off the except, top of my head. Yeah. Except it's even better, Last Chance You. It's like That's that, right, yeah. except it's actually even better um, because, you know, sometimes some of that felt a little bit contrived. This, I know for a fact, is all real. And they literally have cameras everywhere. They show literally everything. And... Um, you know, so we, we all knew he was missing time from the season. And then there's a lot of rumors and speculation about why he was missing last year. 
And uh, I was talking to him at the uh, at the Celebration Bowl, which was basically the Black College Football Championship game mm-hmm. last year. And I had set up an interview with him. Now we go back twenty five years, so out of respect, I set it up through the his assistant. But a lot of times, I call him and say, "Hey, when's a good time for me to tell the dude I want to talk to you?" And he'll tell me, and then I'll set it up. I'll let that guy set it up. So they gave me a time, and I came by, and. Um, the guy said, oh, you're already here because I showed up early. He's like, oh, well, coach is over here. I'll just take you over there now. And so I went over there and sat down, and I was thinking I was going to get 15 minutes, uh, which was cool. I mean, I had no complaints about that. But actually, we ended up talking for an hour and a half. And during the midst of that conversation, probably about 20 minutes into it, I go, well, what kind of challenge has this been for you this year? And he says, dog, you don't even know. And I said, Oh, it's been like that? He said, oh, bro. And so at that point, man, he raises up his pant leg, and he shows me these two skin grafts on his leg, and I go, oh, my God. And these skin grafts, dog, they're like, I described them as about six inches long and three inches wide. That's not an exaggeration. Like, imagine that on both sides of your leg. And then he reaches to his phone and says, oh, I got a picture. You want to see it? I go, well, what is it? Oh, just, you you want to see it? It'll make you sick now, but you see it. <laughs> All right. So I, you know, dumbass, I go, well, yeah, let me see it. And it's literally his foot moments after they finished the amputation. Man. So you can imagine it's a bloody mess. It's mangled. There's bone and nerves and all this stuff exposed. And I'm like, my God, bro. He says, yeah. And people got jokes <laughs> about, you know, me on the scooter and stuff. And so we talked, and so, you know, me, I'm like, hey, can I write this? I, hey, this is a story right here. Yeah. He goes, nah, man, you know, I just told you that because you're my boy. Uh, you know, you can't write it now. We're going to show it in the documentary. I said, oh, you are? He said, yeah. I said, all right, well, let me write it as soon as uh, the documentary is about to drop. He goes, oh, okay, you can do that. And so I've been on him all this whole time. Like, when's the doc dropping? When's the doc dropping? When's the doc dropping? When's the doc dropping? And he finally said, oh, it's going to be episode five. I said, all right. So I did the math and figured out when episode five was. I was like, okay, let me holler at you then. I got all these notes I never wrote. Let me talk to you again to fill in some blanks. And that's kind of how the story came to be, man. Uh, you know, but it's a powerful story about dude had eight surgeries in three and a half weeks. And then came back and coached his team, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, it is when you get to that level and i and i know because blood clots are no joke man i mean they're really not and it's weird when i think the side effects and what can happen because of them is because you never know i mean like that like having your toes amputated or you know you can have it can go to your brain and kill you it can go to your heart and kill you there's so many different things that a blood clot can do they're extraordinarily dangerous and i don't even know do what I was going to say a lot of times because you don't know that you have them. Yeah, and so I don't know how many people know this, but I have, I've had a blood clot before, and so I have, and I wonder if he has this, and you'd have to ask him like privately and all that, but I have what's called Factor V Leiden, which is, and I have, there's two different types that you can get. One is you have about a five-time more likely chance that your blood will clot, but if you get it from both your parents, you have an 80-time more likely chance that your blood will clot. I have that from both my parents. My dad also has it. And when I was in college, I'll never forget this. When I was in college, 
My dad would have been mid-40s, probably 45, 46 when this happened to him. He was doing his regular workouts and kept complaining like he was fatigued and just felt like he couldn't catch his breath, right? Right. He goes and gets some some work done, and they're like, you have multiple pulmonary embolisms, multiple blood clots in his lungs. And they're like, what? I mean, that's a very serious thing. And so my dad is in the hospital for a few days, and my mom calls, oh, hey, don't worry, your dad's not. And, I, of course, I'm in college. I immediately pack my stuff and drive to go <laughs> see my dad. You know, and it ended up being where, and I didn't realize this until in recent years, that they did not think that he would survive. Really? Because people don't get blood clots like that in their lungs to that degree and have that many of them and live. And wow. they, there are pictures of him in like medical books and stuff from what I understand, because it's, this was a living patient. Like this person survived. And I had my blood clot after I had knee surgery. This would have been probably around 2007, 2008. And I had knee surgery and you know, knee, you're, you're going to have swelling after you have surgery. And I'm looking at my leg and I'm like, man, like it's incredibly painful and I have a high pain tolerance, as you know, and I'm trying to walk around and do, and I'm like, my God, this is like, I, and it didn't feel like, I don't know how to, it didn't feel like my knee. It felt like my calf hurt way more than my knee was hurting. Right. And, and I called and I was like, I think something's wrong here. And they're like, no, it's just swelling. If it still feels this way, come by. And so a couple of days go by and I'm like, my leg got to a point where I could barely put on my jeans. It was so swollen. And I couldn't, like, I could barely touch my toes to the floor without it being excruciatingly painful and feeling like my leg was going to rip open. And so we go, and they send me to the hospital, and they do a test, and, like, you have a sizable blood clot on the backside of your knee, and, we, you know, we have to admit you immediately, and we've got to get blood thinners in you. And so I was in the hospital, I want to say, for three days. And the reason why is because they have to monitor, and I don't know how it is now, but, again, this is 15 years ago. And so they had to monitor me. They pumped me full of blood thinner and they have to monitor as the blood clot breaks up to make sure it doesn't go to your heart and kill you or your brain and kill you that they're, that they can jump in on you and save you if that were to happen. Right. And, and you know, and so you're like, you don't feel it. Like I don't feel anything breaking up going through me or anything like that, but I'm just like, it kind of freaks you out. I'm laying in this hospital bed. The only way I could not be in, in, in crazy pain was laying on my back with my, my leg elevated up as high as possible. Wow. And anytime I had to get out and use the, I mean, I could not touch my leg to the floor. I can, the pain was in like in unbelievable. I mean, it's getting hit in the face, playing hockey. When I broke my nose, that was painful, but that was like painful, like real quick. But my God, this leg thing was like for multiple days was just excruciating. And then finally it broke up and, and I went and had some serious blood work done and found out that I have this and, you know, they tell you being on blood thinners is no joke either. That's how come you've seen athletes like Chris Bosch, you know, and there's been a couple of others over the years that have had to retire because of stuff like that, because you can't risk, if you're on blood thinners, you can't do those types of physical activities like football or basketball, because you could, you know, you go up for a dunk, somebody knocks you down, you fall down, you could internally bleed to death. Yeah, um, no joke, man. And so it's uh, those, those blood thinners, blood clots, or mess and, and what happened to him is he had three in the artery going behind his left leg one in the calf one behind the calf one in you know closer toward the middle of the leg and then one right above the ankle and so he was literally getting no blood flow to his toes yeah and uh, he had had a surgery earlier in the year 
And so he had the athletic trainer changing his bandage every day. And she noticed that his first two toes were jet black. And she's like, this is not abnormal. This is a problem. And in typical athlete fashion, it's like, well, let's go check it out after practice. Yeah. And so after practice, they go, oh, bro, you got to go in the hospital right now. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's no joke, dude. And, and I would imagine he'll have to be on blood thinners for the rest of his life, like how I am. Oh, well, yeah, probably because in doing this, he found out that his uncle died from blood clots. Yeah, so he, he's got to have the same thing. Yeah, another uncle had him, and then his mother has him. So, yeah. It it runs in his family. It's hereditary. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, I would I would assume that he'll be on some sort of blood thinner uh, the rest of his days. Yeah, and he'll probably get because he can afford to take Zoralto, which is the new one that came out, and there's no generic of it. And I was getting free samples of that for a while, but then with COVID, they stopped. This is something that people. It's so it's so weird how the pandemic changed so many things nobody thinks about. It stopped. You know, like reps that that are like medical salespeople or whatever, you know, these pharmaceutical reps would go to the doctors. They leave free samples. Well, when COVID right. hit, pharmaceutical reps weren't going into offices anymore, so they weren't leaving free samples anymore. And so that dried up my free samples I was getting because Zeralto, for me, even with insurance, it costs about $462 a month for 30 pills. Wow. wow. But it's it's... So the other type of blood thinner there is, is Coumadin, which is, I take the generic version of that now called Warfarin, but it's, what they did with Zeralto was they made it that it has no dietary restrictions. You don't have to go get your blood checked all the time to make sure that you're not too low or too high. It, it, it just doesn't affect you. But like with Warfarin, stuff you eat can affect your blood level and stuff that you consume and drink. And I, I'm supposed to go get my blood checked like every two, three months to make sure. Like I just went and got it checked uh, about, about a month ago and I have no idea why. I, I didn't even think about this. This is how weird this is. So I get my blood checked and my doctor calls me. He goes, hey, uh, something's going on. Like your blood is not nearly as thin as it needs to be. And I was like, what? And I, I was like, I haven't changed anything. I don't know why that would be. And then it hit me. I started taking a daily multivitamin. And I didn't even oh. think about it. It had vitamin K in it. What the hell is vitamin K? Vitamin K can screw with your blood and it can, it, it, it's, I believe it, it causes it to thicken up. Yeah. So it's one of those things where with vitamin K, yeah. So vitamin K helps to make four of the 13 pro, proteins needed for blood clotting. And so if you're on blood thinners and you consume vitamin K, which is found in a lot of leafy green vegetables and stuff, it can offset the blood thinner. And I didn't even think about that being in my multivitamin because I was racking my brain. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I've never had this problem before. I don't know what would all of a sudden be different. And then it hit me and I looked and I messaged him. I was like, hey, I started taking this multivitamin. He goes, yeah, stop taking it immediately. So I stopped Jeez. taking it and I went back and sure enough, like three weeks later, my blood was where it was supposed to be. Wow. And that's the only thing I changed was that multivitamin. Isn't that weird? Yeah, for sure. I'm sure my parents are listening to this going, Matthew. <laughs> it's no joke, man. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things in life that you just kind of, you never know. Like, I never would have known. And maybe I would have gotten myself tested because my dad has it. But, like, my brother Chris, he went and got tested, and he doesn't have it. Right. And I don't believe Mark has it either. It's just somehow I'm the one that inherited it. So lucky me. <laughs> but well, at the same, the I'm, you know, at least I found out about it. And it's just something I have to deal with. Yeah, I was going to say you're the first one. So, you know, maybe you got some good stuff that they didn't get to. Yeah, yeah maybe I did. Maybe I did. 
Like, I don't have a crazy hairy back or chest like they both do. Oh, see? Look at that. Of course. I say they don't really have crazy hairy backs, but man, God, Chris can grow like a freaking rug as a chest hair. It's too late. You've already put it out there. We're not judging you. You can't take it back there. Before we wrap this up, though, I wanted to bring this up because the NFL is going bonkers this week. We've already talked about the Aaron Rodgers deal and the Russell Wilson trade. Well, one more trade happened since we've been recording this. Another trade happened yesterday. Carson Wentz gets sent from Indianapolis to Washington, which I thought was hilarious because I thought my Frank Reich went to the ownership group of the Colts and vouched for Carson Wentz and, and pushed for them to trade for Carson Wentz. Frank Reich was with the Eagles when Carson Wentz had a couple of good years with the Eagles. And even Frank Reich was like, no, we got to get rid of this dude. <laughs> and so they sent him to, uh, to Washington. So he's back in the NFC East. And, you know, the interesting thing, man, about Carson Wentz is statistically he's not bad. No, I right, mean, yeah. what's wrong with y'all? 3,500 yards last year, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, on the surface, that seems okay. I mean, he started 17 games, so, so he was healthy. But, again, this is a passing league. And if you're going to start 17 games, we probably need you to do – more than 209 yards a game. Yeah. yeah. Even it, though he had a terrific running back in Jonathan Taylor. And you can't collapse like he did last year. I mean, they, they absolutely collapsed. He was horrible in their season finale, which cost them a shot at the playoffs. And I, I'm telling you, man, it, it's he is not a leader of men. And you can be a good quarterback. You can put up good numbers. But if you can't lead dudes and get them to buy into what you're doing as a quarterback, then... I don't know why it will be different in Washington, honestly. I, I don't know what would what will change. And I think Washington was just desperate. I think they looked at this draft class of quarterbacks, didn't see anybody they absolutely loved, and went out and thought, we've got to get a quarterback, go get Carson Wentz. Oh, I think that's exactly what happened. Uh, he's better than what they had. He's better than Ty- Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, he gives them a guy who, in a certain situation, can, can, can play well. And he's basically, he's better than what we had. He's a bridge guy, stopgap guy. But that's all you need to know. This is third team in three years, okay? That doesn't happen to good NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting. I don't think it does much for Washington. I will say this. It makes what they do in the draft interesting now because at 11, if they want to, they can find one of those top-level wide receivers to throw on the other side of Terry McLaurin and help give Carson Wentz some weapons to give him something to work with. I'll be curious to see what they do at that 11th pick now because I, I do think they would have taken a quarterback in the draft if they didn't pull this off. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think any of the quarterbacks are guys you can come in and, and expect them to help you this year. Uh, they're, they're developmental guys to me. And so, um, you know, uh, I don't. I just don't think those are the guys who who you're willing to. And you know, we're in a win now league, man. So yeah. you can't wait three or four years for this guy to develop. Now he can develop while you got somebody, but you know, waiting for a guy that'll get you fired. Couple other interesting things, and this is the one that came while we're recording the podcast. This trade broke, and Adam Schefter, of course, has this: the Chicago Bears are trading Khalil Mack to the Los Angeles Chargers in exchange for a second-round pick in this year's draft and a sixth-round pick in next year's draft. Khalil Mack, who, of course, was traded from Oakland to Chicago four years ago. He did four seasons in Chicago, now eight in the NFL overall, only played in seven games this past season. 
In Chicago, 12 and a half sacks, eight and a half sacks, nine sacks, and then six and seven games this past year for a total of 36 sacks in his four years in Chicago. But how about this? 14 forced fumbles with six recovered, and he's still a beast. I mean, even at 30 years old, you put Khalil Mack on that defense with Joey Bosa, and it, it, that that's something right there. Is, I, he just turned 31, I see now, and back in February. But 31 years old, man, maybe a couple of years left for Khalil Mack, balling out with Joey Bosa. Well, here's the other thing, man. And uh, I was reading this, uh, I mean, uh, I was reading this somewhere, and it's that the NFL, don't ever forget, is a copycat league. And so people see what the Rams did, like, oh, so you can trade for yeah. players and just go try to win now. Screw a draft pick because a draft pick is a future stock. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Hell with it. Let's all start trying to trade for players and see if we can build a team that can win right now. And I think you're seeing that, whether it's Carson Wentz, yeah. whether it's Khalil Mack, whether it's Russell Wilson. You know, everybody's like, let's just go make a trade. Let's go get some players. Let's see if we can win. The other thing, and I thought this was really interesting, that Jay Glazer put up today. We all know the Calvin Ridley situation suspended from the NFL for a year. Apparently, the Philadelphia Eagles almost had a deal done to trade for Calvin Ridley last month. This is according to Jay Glazer. But the Falcons backed out and couldn't tell the Eagles why. But they now know this is why. There's a lot of confusion, but Philadelphia, Jay Glazer says, a lot of respect for Atlanta for how they handled this. Because, look, Atlanta could have traded them. They could have been like, oh, hell yeah. Here's Calvin Ridley. See ya. And the fact that Atlanta did it this way, I thought that that's really interesting for them. Good for them. It also shows you Philadelphia – they got Devontae Smith last year. They've got three first-round draft picks this year. I, I, I want to say it's, I believe it's 15, 16, and 19. It may, yeah, it's 15, 16, and 19 are the three first-round picks they have. This is a very nice crop of wide receivers. I would not be surprised at all if Devontae Smith gets paired with somebody else and all of a sudden the Eagles got a couple of more offensive weapons. Oh, I think they're going to get Alave or Garrett Wilson or yeah. uh, the guy from South Carolina, whatever his name is. Um, I I expect them to take a receiver for the third consecutive year and, uh, you know, try to help Jalen Hurts and uh, put some weapons around. Yeah, because they need to do that. They need a lot of work, man, but three first-round draft picks for Philadelphia. So NFL never stops. All right, well, there it is. I hope everybody enjoyed it this time. We will be back. Have another episode dropping for you next week on your Monday have a lot to get into then. The NCAA tournament brackets will be set coming up on Monday. That's all the, the tournaments, the college tournaments and everything. March Madness is here. Good times. Hell yeah. Can't oh, wait. also next week, NFL free agency. Next Wednesday. Boom. How about that, bro? Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.